3: for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. The, the Podcast
2: Playground.
4: Hooray! Taking a walk with Night. Will Paquin, how a singer-songwriter guitarist jump started his career without a record label's help. Welcome to this edition of Taking a Walk. I'm Buzz Knight and we are at a familiar spot for Taking a Walk episodes, the historic North Bridge, and my guest today is Will Paquin, a talented young musician who is forging his own independent path. Will, welcome to Taking a Walk. Hello there, good to be here. Yeah, the North Taking a walk,
2: it's a very nice day out.
4: Beautiful day here, beautiful. So how have you foregone the labels in your path? I find that story which uh, Rolling Stone picked up on Mm -hmm. and I'm sure some others within the industry. How have you uh, picked that path and
2: why? Well, I originally was not supposed to. I was actually about to sign to a label, um, basically, I just kind of had a your run-of-the-mill viral moment, um, as they'd call it, and um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on me to put a song out, and which, by the way, I've never, before then, I'd never written a song before. So <laughs> I'm, you call me a singer-songwriter, but it's kind of funny because I'm very much new to this whole thing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, let's see, this was in 2020, I was just recording my music and all the while, you know, labels were hitting me up left and right to a nauseating amount. It was very (laughs) stressful at the time. Um, They were pestering? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was pretty overwhelming because, you know, I was in school, I, you know, I had an internship. Um I was what was I a junior at BU. So I was just Just working. I had no plans on being a musician at all. And all of a sudden the music industry is interested and you know, I was talking to a bunch of ARs, and they're all very nice and very good at, you know, speaking about their label in a very good way. And I was interested in it for a while, and I was planning on signing, but the very last minute, actually the morning of when I was supposed to sign, I said, no thanks. And I just went independent because it was more of like a gut reaction. Um, and
4: Was this when your viral moment had already happened or was so No,
2: this was before I'd even released oh, okay.
4: the song. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. But but something told you it was the wrong thing to do?
2: Yeah, just it just didn't seem like the right thing because I'd always heard people saying how they screw no, people over it. and whatnot. And I honestly like didn't really believe it. I was like, oh that's just a bunch of baloney and I'm sure they're actually not that bad, but I kept telling myself that at least, and it just, there's just something in the back of my mind saying I really shouldn't do this, because I'd never released a song before, and I had no, it was really like in the span of two months that I had to just become a singer-songwriter, and I didn't know you know what, where my career was gonna go, in even the next few months after that. So, I thought I'd just release this song independently. Uh, I just thought it was the right thing to do, and just see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a whirlwind. I honestly don't even remember much of it. I was, I was, <laughs> it just <laughs> happened, right? I was just kind of freaking out the whole time. And, well, because
4: once again, like you said, you were you were studying and you were trying to get through that, which is stressful yeah. enough. And is it fair to say
2: they didn't
4: what you were doing musically was just having fun and just it was fulfilling a passion part of your life, not really anything that yeah. was a course in your career
2: or anything? I mean, I was studying to be a uh, statistical uh, advertising guy, you know, just being an analysis Uh, for advertising that's what I was studying and that's what I was like I had an internship I was just planning on doing that um so yeah it was more just having fun during COVID yeah Um, yeah I was just playing my guitar and putting stuff online um and then it just kind of exploded out of nowhere
4: and, and which song was it? Was it Chandelier? It was Chandelier, yeah, so, first song. so when was the first moment that you actually looked and went, holy smokes, this thing really maybe has something?
2: Um, well, I, I started out with the guitar part, and when I made the guitar part, I knew, it was, I knew it was something interesting. And I remember when I wrote the part, I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, so I made a video for it uh, on TikTok, the the next day, and then I went to bed and woke up and it had a bunch of views and
4: it was well well, like three or three million.
2: (laughs) Oh well, it was like it was like a million that that day, yeah, or something like that. (laughs) You were like, whoa, is this me? Yeah, it was unreal and I couldn't really believe. I never thought that that like the genre of music's kind of like it's not very like traditional. So I never thought that it would be, like, something that would go, you know, viral or anything. Right. So it was a huge surprise, and it was really exciting, but it was also like, oh, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what just happened? (laughs) Like, I need to get on this, because, you know, I was getting a million comments being like, okay, this song needs to come out tomorrow.
4: Um, And then at that point, when that happened, did the calls or contacts from label people and everything further accelerate?
2: Oh, yeah. And so I hadn't, I wasn't even known by any sort of label before that. Yeah. Um, And then that day, like, I got, like, three or four emails from different labels. Yeah. And then... For the next like two months after that, it was just like every day a different ANR I was on the phone like four hours a day because <laughs> I didn't have management, I didn't have any, no, nothing to help me through it. So, right, right, I was just on the phone with them in between classes and during classes, and um, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, and it definitely tired me out. Um, yeah, and, and probably stressed you out too. Definitely stressed me out. So, but your perception still
4: of labels during that period was really based on the fact that, did you feel it was too corporate? or?
2: Um, yeah, I guess so. I always respected independent artists my mm-hmm. whole life. Mm-hmm. And most of the artists I listen to are independent. Um, Well, at least they were back then. I'm not sure about now, but... um, Yeah, I just always thought it it was better to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the mantra I've always had. Just not even in music, just in general.
3: Yeah,
4: go independent. Yeah. Um, So if someone's never heard you, describe them to you, if you could. Oh,
2: okay. I don't even really know. Everyone always asks me this. I don't even know how to... Well, it's very guitar heavy because I'm really first a guitar player and Mm -hmm. then second a songwriter. Um, So I guess you'd call it like some alternative, I guess, indie... Maybe a bit of rock influence. and listen to a lot of rock music. Yep. Um, I get a call. But isn't part of the cool factor,
4: if you will, is that it is hard to describe you? I mean, isn't that something
2: that is a good thing? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it wasn't on purpose. I w- it's just the way it is. Yeah. I was really just trying to make... I, I really didn't have any influences for the song itself. It was more just like... I need to get a song together right now, and I just did what I thought at the time. Yeah, <laughs> it just happened. It came out. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's funny because I listen back and I'm like, oh my god, it sounds terrible. <laughs> now you look at it,
4: you think about it differently.
2: Now, oh, of course. I you mean, do. it was at the time it was really just the best I could do. Yeah, and my capacity was pretty low li- because I just never. It was my first time, you know, writing lyrics, first time singing ever, first time recording an actual song so it was a lot of firsts for me and i look back and like oh man i could have done this so much better but well that's natural
4: yeah that's a good that's a good part of it yeah so i think when i listen to your music the music is what's interesting about it is i could see and feel like many different influences Mm. all converging in different places so it feels like it's from multiple genres of music yeah. and and all kind of in its own way into the special the sauce um, who would some of those particular influences be maybe you could mention and, and why that they are influences and that you like them
2: well at the time so over COVID, I was, like, learning how to finger pick, like, doing classical stuff. I'm not, like, classically trained or anything. I was just kind of teaching myself. So I was doing a lot of finger picking, listening to a lot of, like, Brazilian guitarists, like, uh, like, Bon Powell and Luis Bonfa and uh, Toquinho, Those are, like, the three that I was listening to at the time. Yep. Um, and that's a lot of where my, the guitar playing in the song was coming from. And on top of that, which is kind of an opposite influence, I was listening to a lot of Towns Van Zandt. Uh Uh-huh. So a lot of my lyrics, I was pretty much just trying to uh, write a Towns Van Zandt song Uh because that was really my only songwriter influence at the time. Yeah. I listened to a lot of, like, instrumental music, so I wasn't... Really focused on writing lyrics, so I look to Towns to inspire me on that.
4: What an inspiring figure! My favorite of Towns is uh, Pancho and Lefty. Huh? Oh yeah, that's yeah. such yeah. a good song. Yeah, but what a what a unique figure, but what a tremendous figure as well. You know?
2: Yeah, he's I, he's like pretty much my hero. I I think he's just the coolest dude. Yep, he's really really cool. Um, so yeah, listening to that honestly. I could probably even stop there in terms of influence on that song. That was really just the two things I was listening to at the time. Okay. And the rest kind of just filled itself in.
4: But a lot of what I hear are, are certainly, um, you, know, you know, jazz influences within mm. guitar players as, as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I listen, I do listen to a, a bit of jazz. I was like a jazz guitarist before. Um, before COVID even, I was, I was in jazz band in high school and trying to get my chops up. Um, <laughs> a few months before I wrote the song, I was trying to transcribe the solo to Sonny, uh, Pat Martino's version. Uh-huh. Um, I haven't heard which, that name
4: in a long time Wow.
2: Which is a... Uh, it's just a ridiculously hard solo. Yeah. And I, I ended up just giving up because it was too hard. And I just started finger-picking instead. It was kind of a, an action of defeat isn't from going <laughs> finger-picking.
4: An action of defeat. Yeah. I love that. <laughs>
2: wow. Now, how about Pat Matheny? I picture some of that, too. Pat Metheny? Um, no? No, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so. I was listening to, in terms of jazz guitarists, probably like... More like just Kenny Burrell, West Montgomery. You
4: know I was like, gonna say West Montgomery yeah. too.
2: Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he he uses his thumb to pick, so he's almost a finger picker as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always loved them. Um, my dad, you know, he always listens to that stuff. So, so where do you find
4: influenced? other things that are musically influential. How do you discover them? Just from friends or just your own perusing and studying uh, it? or
2: It's nearly only my perusing. It's funny because most of my friends aren't in the music world at all. I was a, uh, a rugby player in college. And, you know, all my friends were uh, rugby players. And yes. I don't really talk about music at all with them. Really? So it's kind of like a separate life. Interesting. And before COVID, I tore both my shoulders. Oh. So I had nothing to do during COVID except play guitar for like 11 hours a day. <laughs> That's a way to, yeah. to
4: rededicate yourself, Exa- I yeah. guess, right? Yeah, you definitely. think about it.
2: But yeah, it's mostly just my own uh, search. And I really, my, my whole life, I've been always searching for new music. Wow. And I still am just doing the same stuff. I'm just scrolling through Spotify. Um, me and my brother, we talk about music a lot. Um he's always turned me on to stuff and, and he plays too, right? Uh he used to play. He yeah. used to play. He he does have a guitar in his apartment still. And every every once in a while we'll break it out. But <laughs> um Yeah, it's he he's definitely a music appreciator for sure.
4: So how do you approach a creative process where you know you're setting out to write something? Do you, first of all, do you put yourself on a deadline to try to, like, create?
2: No, I don't. I don't. I've tried to do that in the past, and it usually doesn't work. Yeah. I. Um, it actually takes me, like, months. I never really just sit down and write anything. It usually will take me, like, months and months to have a song be finished because I I never like just sit down and you know write lyrics or write guitar parts usually it just comes about like I'll fumble around like get a guitar part like roughly and then write a few words down and then I'll come back to it in two weeks and put another few lines down and sort of finalize the parts finalize the melodies And I'll just keep doing that for a month or two until the song is just magically finished. It kind of—I don't really try to force lyrics out of me because I'm really bad at that. You Um,
4: just know it's not going to be your best work if you force it. Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: Um, And I actually just started kind of fully doing that. Like before, after Chandelier, I was just like really getting pressured to write music. So I actually did just force myself just in a week to sit down and write, um, which I didn't like as much. And I nowadays I really just let things come to me, um, almost subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean,
4: some would use the athletic uh, analogy that. If you're just in the zone, then mm. you're going to be best creating when right. you're in the zone. Right. And you can't force that, necessarily. Mm. But it is good to identify that you know you're in the zone,
2: mm. you know? Yeah, and you've got to put yourself there, which is the hardest part. Right. Because the zone does not just come to you. Right. right. You really need to be in a place where you can just let your subconscious take over. Yep. Because I'm not a very... I am a very, like strategic person than I like before all this I was really like you know I was a statistics major major, so I was I was uh, thinking very analytically and critically which you really can't well you can but I feel like the best work is not thinking critically on your own stuff and it's to just I feel like the subconscious is always the best route for creative thinking
4: yep I asked people who are around music this question on the podcast, so I've got to ask you, why is music such a special part of our lives? Like, what about mm. it? I mean, obviously, it goes back to, you know, cavemen. Yeah.
2: Uh, why is music so special? Oh, jeez, that's, that's a good one. I think, like, I mean, for me, at least, it's just... It is just a, it's kind of like reading a book in its own way. It's kind of just transporting yourself to just a different environment. I always, you know, I was was telling my friend yesterday about skiing and how people don't really, you know, he didn't really understand it. He was like, why do people go skiing? And I was just, I just said like, it's just really about just being in a different environment, just in a totally different world. You kind of forget everything going on at the time. And you're just kind of focused on what's around you, just the mountain. And and I feel like kind of music's the same way. You just, for me, I just sort of forget about a lot of things and I just get put in the environment that the artist puts forth. And that's that's really why I love music. Yep. And listen to a lot of it. Yeah. As much as possible. It is transporting, right? Yeah. And it t- does
4: everything, you know. Brings you up, brings you down, you know. Tugs at you, it energizes you. It's, you know. It's uh, where would we be without it, right? I mean,
2: yeah. And it's funny, like you'd think that if you're really, you know, if you're feeling really down one day, you'd want to listen to music. Yeah that's happy to uplift you but right. for me it's the exact opposite i want to listen to music that aligns with what i'm feeling so if i'm feeling down i'm going to listen to music that's very down and very like somber because it kind of empathizes in its own way yes with what i'm feeling so i just you know feel a little less it actually makes me feel better you know?
4: Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, there are times sometimes I'll deliberately want something that'll lift me up if I'm down. But I would say, yeah, three quarters of the time or more, I want want to match the mood, Mm -hmm. you know. I don't shy away from that,
2: you know. Right. Yeah, I feel like it is very important to... It's kind of. It's almost like someone. To ta- it's, it's almost like someone's talking to you. Right. That
4: seems to be the problem, Yeah, when you're talk.
2: listening to something, you kind of go, "That's yeah, that's yeah, me." Yeah, it's like conversation almost, except one-sided.
4: Yeah, listen to me talking as if I'm a musician. I do I know. I don't know any of this.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> anyone. Anyway, well, it's just universal. Like anyone, anyone can feel that way. You know, you don't have to be a musician. That's what is so great about music. Right,
4: right. So what's
2: on the uh, sort of
4: roadmap in terms of what you're up to? I know you had mentioned there's some studio work going on. Mm-hmm. I know there's been some uh, concert appearances that you've been part of as well. So mm-hmm. what's kind of on your, uh, you know, roadmap in the coming weeks and months?
2: Yeah, well, I, yep, just like you said, I'm recording. I've been recording the past, like, two months. Um, just getting a bunch of songs together, and just in a more cohesive project. Um, and I'll be releasing music throughout the year into the next. And then hopefully if I get my act really together, I'll have a EP to release, EP or album to release, and probably this month of spring of next year. That's that's the overall goal. Um, and I also have some shows to play during that time, too, in April. So that's kind of the overall goal. It's kind of funny. I, I really planned my schedule in, like, one-week increments. <laughs> so I'll get through my week, and then I'll plan that next week. Yep. And then I'll get through that week. Yep. Because... I found things change quite often in yep. this business. So I'm always having to schedule flip and take you pivot in a different direction than I think I'm going to go. Yep. And I kind of like it that way. It's it's fun in its own way.
4: Yep. What was it like opening for the Walters?
2: It was cool. It was real I mean, it was incredibly nerve-wracking. I'd never played a show before. Yeah. Um, but it was still really fun and a really good experience. Um, it was pretty crazy to, you know, have your first few shows in front of so many people. Yeah. Um, those rooms were massive. I'd never even, I'd barely even been to a concert in a room that big. Yeah. So it felt like I was kind of on the moon a little. Yeah. I'm on the stage just my by myself. And
0: I'll take your
2: coat. Um,
4: was it an experience, though, in the midst of, obviously... You know, the uh, the tension, was it an experience
2: you enjoyed? Yeah, I think it definitely drove me. And I learned a lot from it and what I want to do differently and what I want to keep the same. Um, and, yeah, you definitely just, like, grow up quick. You have no... You really don't have a choice. Like, I was offered the show months before, and I was really unprepared. I was like, oh, boy, like... I have no... I don't even have enough songs to play for 30 minutes. So I better write some songs. (laughs) (laughs) So it was kind of a flame under my butt to... Yeah. Just get going and, you know, not overthink things and just get something together. Because you have to get something. Yep. Um, And that was definitely, like, the best takeaway from it is... Sometimes when you're just put under a good amount of pressure... You've got something ahead that you need to you need to accomplish. You just gotta wrestle up something.
4: Yeah. Um, gotta deliver. Yeah. 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 And that's
2: what we I'm doing. So and, uh, I'm kind of in the same situation now. I've got a few shows coming up in the spring, and I'm kind of in the same zone right now. Just all right. Got to get something. Yep. Get something different.
4: Are you working with a manager?
2: I have a manager. Yep. Yep. Yep, it's going well, and that's kind of new. Yep, I went two years without one, pretty much, and it's pretty tough doing everything yourself. Yep, it's doable, but it is—it's pretty exhausting. Yep. Um. So yeah, I've got a manager on board now. I've got a lawyer, um, and that's pretty much the extent of my team.
4: I'm amazed that uh, I was able to get through your publicity people to be able to
2: talk to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my publicist and my four managers. That's right, yeah.
4: (laughs) I had to elbow my way through, Will. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this uh, who is aspiring, wanting to grow an independent path musically or in any way, field... uh, What advice would you give them?
2: Well, it's a good question. I mean, I'm asking myself the same thing every day. But I feel like, I mean, this might come off as generic or cheesy, but I feel like it's really true. I was told in New York, actually, last week, we were kind of talking about this, and I was saying how for the first few years of doing this, I was really just doing stuff... I wasn't happy about but I was doing it because I thought you know people would like it and you know there's benefits to that but it's not long term because I feel like if you're doing something that you don't want to do musically you will eventually burn out and you you just can't keep that going for super long so I feel like my advice is just making something that you truly are happy with And it doesn't matter, you know, what anyone else thinks. As long as you're happy with it, that's the most... In terms of longevity, that's just the best way to stay in this and not lose your mind. Yep. Because there's nothing worse than playing songs that you're not happy with to an audience, you know? Yep. I think it's best that you're... Because the audience can tell. I feel like the audience can tell when you're playing something that you like versus playing something that you don't like. So, yeah, just stay true to your vision and, you know, don't worry about it too much. Don't worry about standing out or you know, being unique. Uh, just kind of do whatever do what you want to do.
4: I love it. Will Paquin, thanks for taking a walk, enjoy the ride. And uh, continued success and, and
2: uh, enjoy the creative process. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for walking with me. Thank you.
4: <laughs> Taking a Walk with Buzznight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.